Okay. Well, it's, a, it's an exciting day, not just because it's the new year, because um, that's exciting enough as it is, but because we're kicking off a new series. And I, I love kicking off a new series because I, I get to give you a vision of something. So first of all, I want to say Happy New Year. Okay? So I want to turn to someone and say Happy New Year. So let's see. So have you made any New Year's resolutions? Have you made any New Year's resolutions? Well, if you're like most people, then probably about 50% of you have made some formal type of New Year's resolution. And that number goes up to even 75% if you include people who've just said, you know, I'd like to just do, I don't believe in resolutions, but I should like to be healthier this year. That sort of thing, okay? So there are a lot of us, I think there are a lot of us in this room, myself included, who have thought about something and be like, man, I would like 2016 to be a little different in this way. And I think there's a reason for that. The reason is that we start off this new year and it gives us this sense of being able to, to have a new start. Kind of to start over, to have a fresh start. Even though we, we all know it's just another day, it's just one more chronological increment of time, that's all. But a new year gives us a feeling of a fresh start, okay? And, and that's why we're going to spend the next three weeks on a new series called If You Could Be New. Isn't that kind of the dream of New Year's? Isn't that the dream of starting January 1? This idea that the you you were in 2015 doesn't have to be the you you'll be in 2016. That we can be new, that we can change, that we can grow. And I think that's, that's the hope of January 1. So we're going to spend three weeks here. We're going to spend three weeks, and I did a lot of research on the most common New Year's resolutions. We're going to spend three weeks talking about some of the most common. This week we're going to start off with, I want to get healthier. The, that's the number one, to lose weight is the number one New Year's resolution every single year. And then you throw in, I want to work out more or eat better. You throw in those, and like half of the top ten New Year's resolutions are about health. So we're going to start with that today, is I want to get healthier. Okay? And then next week, we're going to say, we're going to talk about, I want to quit a bad habit. Because some of you have a habit that you want to quit. Maybe you're, you're deciding, you know what, this is the year I quit smoking. This is the year I quit drinking too much. This is the year I quit picking my nose and my friend's nose. I don't know. Whatever your bad habit is, okay? some of you are willing to quit that bad habit. And then two weeks from now, on week three of the series, we're going to talk about, I want to make a big change. Because some of you are looking at 2016 and saying, I want to make a big change in my life. I want to finally quit that job that is just sucking the life out of me. I want to finally get a job and get my butt off the couch and become an adult and pretend to be an adult at least. And, or I, I, want to, I want to make a big change with my family. I want to spend more time with my kids. Um, so we have all these ideas about I want to make a big change. So that's what we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks. Okay? And so my guess is a lot of you have thought about one of those categories. A lot of you have a dream for 2006 that falls into one of those three. If not, maybe you've got multiple dreams and you're hitting every single week here. If so, this could be a good series for you. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. So for me, it's I want to get healthy. 
There's no doubt about that. The other two, you know, those are distant second and third. But for me, it's like I want to get healthy. Because the truth is, I've had a really rough history with my weight. Ever since I was a kid, I was kind of a heavy, slow, oafish kid. And I'm kind of a heavy, slow, oafish adult. <laughs> that hasn't really changed. But I've had a really rough history with my weight. So over the past... 25 years, I've had a lot of up and down. Okay, so just to give you a little sense. So here's me in 1994. This is our wedding picture. So a much younger, much thinner Greg and a much younger, still equally beautiful before. See how I did that? There you go. Husbands, take note. Okay, so, so that's me in 2004. Okay, now fast forward seven years. There's me in 2001. Putting on a little bit of that marriage weight. <laughs> okay? A little rough. Now go a year later, here's me in 2002. After a whole lot of, of diet and exercise and a whole lot of hard work. That's my sister. Yeah, I'm the guy in the picture in case you're wondering. Okay? That's my sister. We, <laughs> we just finished a small triathlon. And, um, and so so that's, that's me out in 2002. Okay? So now, fast forward, go nine years later, 2011... Here's Big Greg again. There's Big Greg and Big Greg. And so Big Greg is back. Okay? And, and some of you knew me here and then watched me transform over a couple years into Thin Greg again. There's me trying on a funky shirt from Before's Advice. Okay? Sadly, that shirt doesn't fit anymore because, well, that's 2013 Greg, and well, here's 2016 Greg. So, I'm kind of back to heavy gray. Not quite as heavy as I was in years past, but a long way away from where I was a few years ago. Um, and that's kind of sad, and a little depressing for me sometimes. Um, so for me, it's, it's really, I want to get healthier. I, I do, I want to be able to capture some of that that I had a few years ago. And, and a, a handful of you walked along with me through that process, and you've also walked along with me through the process of going up and the, the down and all of that. And so, and one of the, the funny things about losing weight and getting healthier is there's one million dollar question. How do I do this? How do I do this? Now, for you, if, if you've been thinking about wanting to get a little healthier, chances are you've asked that same question. You've asked the same question. How do I do this? And the truth is, there are a gazillion answers out there. Some of them really good, like eat less and move more. Some of them are really bad, eat all the grapefruit you want. Okay, don't do that. Okay? But there are a gazillion answers to the question of how do I do this? And, and the truth is, there are a lot of good answers and there are a lot of bad answers. But thankfully, the Bible has some insight into this as well. Now, the Bible is not going to tell you to go on, on the no-carb, paleo, light diet. No, okay? It, or, or unless you do a Mediterranean diet. I don't know if that's biblical or not. But, but the Bible does have some great insights into this question. How do I do this? And if you, one of your goals this year is to get healthier, whether it's lose weight, whether it's build muscle, whether it's to improve on maybe you're, you're struggling with, with cholesterol, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, gout, 
and you want to you want to get healthier, you, you want to drop some of those bad numbers and increase some of the good numbers. So whatever your health goal is, you have probably asked the question, how do I do this? Now, the Bible doesn't have all the answers to that. The Bible is not going to be able to tell you what to have for breakfast. Okay? But there are plenty of websites and apps that can help you with that. But there are some deep truths. And in fact, we're going to look at one of them today. There's a deep truth about our health that if we miss this, everything else won't really work. If we miss this deep biblical truth, you know what? It's not really going to matter how much you eat or little you eat, how much you exercise or little you exercise, whether you, whether you juice, whether you fast, whether you cleanse, whether you no-carb, whether you, whatever you do. If you miss this deep truth, the weight loss, the healthy move, either isn't going to work or it's not going to last. That's why this deep truth is so important. So we're going to turn, throughout this series, there are some great passages all throughout the New Testament that gives us a new perspective, and a sense of newness. That in, in scriptures we talk about, particularly in Christ. We are new creations. We have new selves. We have a new songs. We have a new name. We have a new life. We have a new, new eternity. All of that is in Christ. And we're going to look at some of the best passages in the New Testament that promise newness in Christ. And so the one we look at today is going to be in Ephesians. This is one of Paul's letters to a church around Greece. If you can picture where Greece is, you're pretty darn close to Ephesus. There's a city called Ephesus, and he wrote this letter. And in this section of the letter was all about Christian living. And one of the sections, one of the little paragraphs in that section where Paul is imploring and teaching people how to live in Christ, how to live in Christian life, he talks about a newness. He talks about an old self and new self. And that's actually what we're going to look at today. Now, before we dive in, that, that's, i, I got to say, so Paul, he was a pretty intellectual guy. Okay? And some of you probably love intellectual stuff. You read like hardcore intellectual articles of, of economists and politicians and, and deep thinkers, and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> so if you're one of the rest of us, you might sometimes read something out of the New Testament from Paul's letters and be like, what is he saying? That is just not making sense. Because okay? sometimes he can get pretty tough, pretty intellectual. This is one of those passages, I call it, it's thick. Okay? It's got a lot of stuff in it. So I, I'm going to walk through, I'm going to help you understand this passage. And hopefully, by the end of the day, at least by the end of this message, you'll get a great understanding of this deep truth that Paul was talking about. Even though it's pretty thick writing. And the way we're going to do this is, first I'm going to read through the passage. I'm going to read the, the whole paragraph straight through. Okay? And then I'm going to go back to it and kind of talk through some of the points. I've even got diagrams and all kinds of stuff to help you out. So, so this one, uh, and I'll just say, this one is, might be a little more intellectual 
than some of the other sermons, but I think I think you guys you guys can handle it. You guys are looking smart this morning. You're, you're drinking your coffee. Okay, so that's good. You guys look smart. I think you can handle this. So, so we're going to start. This is out of Ephesians chapter 4. One of the other things that I did differently with this one is I'm actually going to read this out of the ESV, the, the English Standard Version. Um, the reason I did that, I normally preach from the NIV, and sometimes I preach from the, the NLT, the New Living Translation. Today I actually chose the ESV because I think it did a good job, I think it does a really good job handling some of the complexities of Paul's writing. So, I, I'm not a, a ardent believer in one version. You know what? I love... These are actually my three favorite versions, in case you've ever wondered. The, the, the ESV, the NIV, and the NLT are my three favorite versions that I use for different things, different versions for different purposes. So today, it's going to be a different version if you're an NIV or... If you're an ESV, then you're, you're home. Okay. So, we're going to start. This is Ephesians 4, verses 17... Through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. That phrase, futility of their minds, another way to think of it is foolish thinking. Okay? Foolish thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of immaturity, or impurity, sorry. Okay, is your brain hurting yet? I know that's a lot of big words for a Sunday morning, okay? But stick with me, we got this. Okay. Uh, next. Uh, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so let's kind of pause here for a second. First big thing about this passage is, did you notice the contrast? Paul loves contrasts. He contrasted one way of living that he called like the Gentiles. And that's, just, that's a word for everybody who's not Jewish. So I don't know, I, doesn't, I don't think we have anyone of Jewish heritage here. So that means we're all Gentiles. Another way in Paul's writing, a way to think of the term Gentile is people outside of a relationship with God. Because in Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile. Christ, the, the, Jesus broadened the family of God to include, thankfully, people like us. Okay? So this idea that the contrast, that's the first thing to see, that there's a contrast that Paul sets up. Okay? Living like you are apart from God or outside relationship with God, and then living inside relationship with God. That's the first thing to notice. So let's talk a little bit about each of these, because Paul, Paul talks about a progression of different ideas that go through the first example and then the second example. We're going to talk about the first. We're going to focus first on life outside of God. Okay? So that's the first paragraph, kind of the first section of this. 
Now, to help you out this, I'm going to reread the passage. And I've actually got a diagram, because Paul has a nice flow to his logic. And I've got a diagram that will follow along up on the screen as I read it. So if, if you like to read along, pull out, you can pull out your phone. If you're good with listening, then you can just listen along. But if you like to read, I know some of us like to read, uh, if you, then you can pull out your phone, pull out Ephesians 4 in the ESV version, and you can read along as I talk. Okay? So, so you can follow along Paul's logic as he talks through with the diagram here. So we start with this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or the non-believers do, in the futility of their minds, in their foolish thinking. So Paul starts this paragraph with the concept of foolish thinking. And then he begins to work backwards. So, so watch what happens. Now, another way to think about foolish thinking, if, if you ever watch old Dr. Phil, I was like, he called it stinking thinking. Because some of us got some really stinking thinking going on here. And so that's what Paul starts with. Think of foolish thinking, or you can think of it, you can call it stinking thinking. Okay? Now, we're going to work backwards. They are darkened in their understanding. A way to think about, think about this as cloudy thinking. You ever just gotten cloudy? Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Uh, and you, your, your brain is just a little foggy. That's, that's what darkened understanding is. Okay? So they're darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God. That is feeling far from God. That's where God feels really distant. Have you ever had that before? Where you had those phase? Maybe you're in that phase. Where God's just feeling really distant. You're feeling cut off, separated, far away from God. That's what alienated from God is like. Okay? Now he's going to continue backwards with a couple key phrases here. Because of the ignorance that is in them. The ignorance that is in them. And that phrase is actually a very characteristically Jewish phrase of talking about sin. Okay? Talking about sin. So he's actually referencing sin here. And notice how sin, the ignorance, that can lead to separation from God. God feeling far apart. Which can lead to your cloudy thinking, your brain not quite working the way you want it to. Which can lead to stinking thinking. Foolish thinking. Okay? He's got one more phrase. Okay? So it's the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So all of this traces back to hardness of heart. And you know, and I don't know if you've had a, a time in your life where your heart has felt really hard towards someone. Maybe hard toward your job. Maybe even hard toward your spouse. All throughout the Bible, hardness of heart is the beginning of the downfall. And that's what Paul is talking about. So, so you're following the logic? Making sense? You're kind of following? He worked backwards here. Okay? Now, he changes gears. Instead of working backwards, he starts to work forwards. And from, starting with the foolish thinking. Okay? So now, talking again about people outside of God. They have become callous. So first, foolish thinking leads to callousness. And being callous is just kind of not caring anymore. You ever gotten to that point where you're just feeling fed up? And you just start shutting people off? 
You start not listening to your spouse. You're just kind of sharp and angry with your kids. Okay? Callousness. And then, have, then, and have given themselves up to sensuality. Okay? Now, we think of sensuality as sex. But really, that term, that Greek term, really just refers to anything that feels good. And sometimes, to be honest, a good old bacon double cheeseburger feels really good. Okay? So if you don't typically associate food with sensuality, you, sh you should think of it like that. Because a lot of us use food to feel better. I certainly do. Okay? So giving it, so instead of thinking about just sex, think about giving in to anything that feels good. Maybe sleeping until 11 a.m. when you should have been up at 9 feels good. That could be sensuality. Okay? So foolish thinking leads to callousness, leads to giving in to stuff that feels good instead of stuff you should do, stuff that's responsible, stuff that's right, all of that. And then lastly, it results, they, they become greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And I noticed at the end, that is just, I mean, all bets are off. <laughs> Anything you want to do, you do. If you follow this path all along, you get to the end where, take your pick. Anything you want to do, you do. Right. And so that's this, this logic, this path that Paul sets up as being outside of Christ. But Paul says, hey, you guys, and he's writing to a church, so he's writing to believers. He's saying, you guys shouldn't be living like this. The implication is, some of you are. And I think that same can be said for us. I think anytime we find ourselves um, kind of at a down point in the up and down of life, Chances are we're somewhere on this chart right here. You've landed somewhere here. And if you've made and the further down you go, the harder it goes, the harder it is to get out. Okay? But Paul changes, he changes. He changes. One of my favorite words in Paul's writings, especially, is the word but. Because that means Paul is offering an alternative. Paul is saying you do not have to live like this. Paul is giving hope to all of us who are stuck in one of these. And he does that with the word, but. One of these days, I've got, I've got a sermon title I'm going to use, but I like big butts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that'll fly, but <laughs> there we go. Okay, because I love it, because it's, it's kind of like that point in the movie where things get really bad and the hero walks on the scene and you're like, Okay. I was going to make a Star Wars reference, but no spoilers, don't worry. Okay, We'll keep all, all of that on the download. But if you've seen it, then you can imagine the scene. I'm thinking, okay, there we go. Okay. So, there you go. <laughs> so, he's saying, but you don't have to live that way. And in fact, in Christ, you shouldn't have to live. You shouldn't be stuck anywhere there. There is an alternative. And that, that's what I want to talk about next. This alternative. And this is where the real power of the passage comes in. It always comes after the but. But that is not the way you learn Christ. And this is it's kind of a weird way you learn Christ. It's another way of saying you learn Christ-like life. You learn a Christ orientation. 
You learn to follow Christ. Okay? But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him. Uh, by the way, the, the Greek construction of that is it offers an answer of yes. So it's not like you say, be like, well, if you're really a Christian, have you ever gotten that from one of your friends? Well, if you're really a Christian, and then they fill in the blank. That's not what he's saying here. It's actually a, a, a little easier way to translate it. it. might be, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, right? That's kind of what he's saying, okay? As the truth is in Jesus. And here is the truth that is in Jesus. Paul follows up with three statements, three commands of what life in Christ looks like. And here, honestly, this is probably the best New Year's resolution advice that you've heard since January 1, okay? And that you'll probably hear in the next couple weeks. Here it is. The best, best New Year's resolution advice comes in Paul's words. He says, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So step one is put off your old self. It's messed up anyway. It's corrupted. It's deceitful. It's full of desires that will lie to you. Okay? A whole lot of our desires lie to us. That double bacon cheeseburger lies to me. It tells me how great it's going to be. It tells me how good my life is going to be after that double bacon cheeseburger. Now, it's pretty good while I'm eating it. But, okay, have you ever gotten depressed at the end of a meal? You're like, it's my last bite. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the cheeseburger lied to me. Okay? Our desires are deceitful. Our desires lie to us. Okay? So first is you've got to put off your old self. Next, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You know that? You might be okay. The spirit of your minds? Wait, is this your spirit or your mind? Yes. Okay. The Jews back then didn't think of things in terms, they didn't separate themselves like we did. That, that really was the Greeks who brought it that, that idea that our mind is separate from our heart is separate from our spirit, is separate from our soul, is separate from our body, all of that? No. The Jewish perspective was that we are much more integrated and whole. Okay? So, so this isn't about differentiating, wait, is this your spirit or your mind? Where do I need to be renewed? Yes. You just need to be renewed. In all of, a better way of thinking, it is your inmost being. Now, whether you want to call that your mind or your spirit or your soul or your, whatever, okay? Um, the... the, the it, Ancient Jewish writing, they actually described it as their kidney was the, their inmost being. So if you want to call your kidney your inmost being, rock on. Here we go. But the key is you need to be renewed. First is you put off, you take off this old, corrupted, messed up self. And second, you pause and you be renewed. And that's usually where we get it wrong. We go straight to the next one. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and true holiness. I mean, come on, who doesn't want that? That sounds great, okay? That sounds great. A new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. But where are we 
we get resolutions wrong, we go from the top to the bottom. I go from no exercise to working out an hour a day, six days a week. I go from eating double bacon cheeseburgers to like veggie patties and quinoa and all kinds of healthy stuff and kale smoothies and stuff like that. But that's what we do when we make resolutions because we want to get to the I want to fix this stage. But we miss the important part. We miss being renewed. We miss being transformed by God. And, and so I think what, what Paul is saying here, particularly in what life in Christ looks like, that he implores us. To this day, he implores us. He says, please, ask God to change your inside while you change your outside. Let me say that again. Ask God to change your inside while you change your outside. Because no gym membership can renew you in Christ. No healthy diet can refresh and renew your spirit. No exercise can restore your soul. Only God can do that. And I think that's where we get it wrong. I think that's where we get it wrong. That you need to ask God to change your inside while you change your outside. And I worded this very intentionally because I believe both of those, those things are processes. I don't think we become instantly healthy overnight. And I don't think we become instantly renewed overnight. Some parts of us can be renewed and God does a miraculous things in restoring us. But this renewal process for many of us is a long process. And so I want you to wait to make healthy decisions until you think God's fixed you up completely. Because otherwise then I don't think any of us would make healthy decisions. But while you are making those decisions, Ask God to change your inside while you change your outside. Now, you know what the sermon is always great. You finish off a sermon with an inspiring story. And, and I would love to finish off a sermon with an inspiring story of my life over this past year and my health. And, but unfortunately, most of my stories from this past year with my health are kind of depressing. So I'll tell you a story of when I was doing a lot better. So a few years back when I was losing some weight, I was first diagnosed with diabetes, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, I need to, I need to do something here. Um, and so I started eating a lot healthier. I started running a lot more, um, slowly, granted, because again, I'm big and oafish. Um, so, so I'm a slow runner, but I was out running a lot. And, and what, what I found was that something happened in me from the first time that I went out, about a month later or so, I started to realize while I was out of my runs, I started to repeat a phrase. I don't know really where the phrase came from. I didn't think of it, I didn't write it down, but it came to me, so I considered it a gift from God. 
What happened was I started repeating a phrase to say, this is what obedience looks like. With every step that I take, this is what obedience looks like. This is what obedience looks like. And I realized that I was, I was convicted by God that obeying Him meant getting out and taking some steps, getting out and running. So that was a trend, that was a renewing of my mind that happened. That was a changing, that was a refreshing of my soul, that was a changing of my thinking. I moved from stinking thinking to God thinking. And that single phrase drove me run after run, week after week, month after month, for a pretty long time. And, it was, and I think back to that moment, I'm like, man, that, that is an amazing gift that God gave me during that time. And now as I struggle with what does it look like to turn around, to take off the old self and put on a new self, but in between, to be renewed, I need to go back to God and say, okay, God, what do you have to say to me this time? Because I need, I need to be renewed. I've got some foolish thinking that I need to get rid of. Because that foolish thinking has led to callousness and not really caring about what I eat or whether I exercise or not. And that callousness led to just giving into whatever felt good. And maybe you're an exercise addict. I'm not. <laughs> I don't really like it. And staying home pretty much always feels better than starting exercise. The end of exercise always feels better than staying home, though. I have to remind myself of that. So God is in the business of renewing us. And you have to be renewed if you want to get healthier. You can't jump from the taking off the old unhealthy habits and putting on the new healthy habits. Because if you do that, it's not going to last. You may lose some weight. You may drop some cholesterol numbers. But it's not going to last. We need to constantly be renewed. And I think that's kind of what happened to me. I was being renewed for a while. And I was turning to God on a daily basis. And, and all of a sudden I started doing that less. And I, I think I was renewed less and less. Until I wasn't renewed anymore. And I just sat in my old self. For the last year or so. And well, this is the result. <laughs> So I need to get back to being renewed. And if one of your resolutions is to be healthier in 2006, you need to be renewed as well. Don't jump straight to the gym. Okay? Go to the gym. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but realize there's something that has to happen in between quitting the bad habits and starting the new habits. And that in between is what God does better than anything else. In fact, it's really only God that can do that in between, that renewing. And so that's what I hope church is for you. I hope River Life or wherever you might attend, I hope church is a place that you can learn to be renewed and learn how to turn to God to be renewed. And so, we'll see. If you're a part of River Life, you'll watch me over this next year. 
and see how well I do being renewed and quitting some of that old self stuff and getting into some of the new self stuff, but pausing in between. That's my encouragement to you, is let God change your inside while you change your outside. Join me in prayer.